What's up, everybody? Welcome to Ask for Candy, where we talk about healing, self-care, love, sex, relationships, and what it takes to be amazing on the daily. Who I am is CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com, and my purpose with this podcast is to create healthy, romantic relationships all around the world through self-love, soul connections, and sweetness. But before we get to that, don't forget to subscribe to our audio broadcast, Ask for Candy, on Anchor, iTunes, Spotify, and wherever you normally download podcasts. Also, you can email us at askforcandypodcast at gmail.com and you can leave comments and ask us questions and sometimes we answer those questions. Sometimes we take your comments and turn them into topics. But for those of you who've been listening, you know that for almost nine years, I have been a relationship coach and a workshop facilitator, and I'm also a professional matchmaker with Luma, a luxury matchmaking service that brings high-end singles together to find their perfect love. And this is how I live into my purpose, the purpose of loving myself unconditionally and inspiring others to do the same, using their romantic lives as a portal, an inspiration, a catalyst to their highest possible self. Now, relationship coaching is my zone of genius. The best part about it is that week to week, I get to grow and learn as I interact with hundreds of people around the most intimate parts of their lives. I get to take people on their journey from caterpillar to butterfly, unhappy with their love lives or their partners to ecstatic. I get to teach people how to get out of their own way and tap into love as a limitless resource. Most importantly, of all I get to do is to be part of what supports healthy beginnings and sustainably healthy relationships. I get to be the cause of self-love, soul connections, and sweetness. And I also get to work with amazing people like my co-host, Frank Love. What's up, Frank Love? Hello there. <laughs> Hello <are> there. <laughs> welcome, welcome. Another Saturday. It's been a great week, hasn't it? It's been a fantastic week. I can't wait to tell the people what we did this week. All right. All right. So Frank Love is a loving husband, father of five, a speaker, a podcaster, a blogger, a vlogger, and a coach as well. He's the author of Relationship Conversations You Don't Want to Have But Should Anyway and 25 Ways to Be Loving. Frank is a D.C. native with degrees from Howard and George Washington Universities. And through years of research, writing, and inquiry, he has discovered that romantic partnerships tend to be anything but loving often fraught with scorekeeping, martyrdom, blaming, and shaming. And Frank believes that it's time we take an honest look at what it means to be loving and implement love skills. He also has a declaration. I want to be loved and accepted in my relationship no matter what I do, and you do too. And it's a powerful wake-up call to himself and to all of us as we work to create the supportive, empathetic, and mutually fulfilling relationships that we so desperately want. So now Frank is here to introduce us to a loving conversation with the sincere hope that we will be more caring in the world and in our communities, beginning with our romantic relationships. We're so aligned, Frank. That's why we're here together. That's why we hang out. That's why we chat. Yeah. That's why you look at my stuff before I send it out. Right? <laughs> That's why I low-key really do think that we're related. It's the weirdest thing. <laughs> Like, low-key, I feel like, I, yeah, I don't know. I feel like there's some, the blood connection somewhere in there. Hey, hey I, I would not be surprised. Right? I mean, yeah. you know, we're definitely all, both part of the human race. And I definitely think that there is a, you know, when it comes to growth and this love conversation, that there is a contingency of people who, you know, are, I mean, all of us are connected to it in any, any way we want to be. But there are certain people where it's just like, it's a passion, it's an obsession, it's a, you know, I don't know what that's about, but we do have that in common as well. Yeah. 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 It's good. Love makes the world go round. Hey. <laughs> at the risk of sounding cliche. So I threw this phrase at you just a few minutes ago, deserve level, because I feel like it has a very rich, inspiring, um, you know, inspiring for conversation, uh, definition, connotation, you know, it can be, it can be interpreted a lot of different ways when it comes to romantic relationships and love. So deserve level. <laughs> I interpret it as how much do you deserve my love? Mm. Uh, is that does that make any sense? Does I, that it, resonate it, with you at all? It does, because I think there are a lot of different 
um, aspects to deserve level when it comes to romance. Like, how much do you deserve my love? How much do I think I deserve? You know, as far as my deserve level, you know, what, what, you know, how do I behave as far as what I, what I feel I deserve compared to what I say I deserve? You know, deciding what, like you said, what somebody else deserves. <laughs> like, I feel like the word deserve shows up a lot when it comes to yeah. our relationships and interactions. And, you know, I think it shows up a lot when we are hedging. Mm. When we, and I've played with this concept. I don't know if we've ever talked about it on here. Yeah. Um, but the, the concept of determining how not to love or setting up a criteria to avoid loving someone totally. or determining what you, what I can get, when I can get away with not loving. Yeah. There's all there's a lot of that that goes around. Yeah. Where we set these criteria up. I even call them deal breakers. I don't know what they could be. Um, <clears throat> let me see, deal breakers, um, barriers or or standards, we they can even be called, depending yeah. on how you look at standards versus expectations, which I wrote a blog about a while ago. You can look that up on franklove.com. <laughs> um but the the concept is the underlying concept is how can I justifiably avoid showing love to someone? And many of us look for those excuses yeah. in our daily dealing. Yeah. I love that you use that word justifiably because I think you're so right about that. Because when we make up our mind about something, especially when it's around, you know, so-called protecting our heart. It's like we then have to justify it, right? So mm-hmm. I'm going to look for all these reasons why you don't deserve what I'm trying to keep from you. <laughs> yes. Right? Yes. You were bad. So you right. don't deserve the love I could give, the affection, the understanding, or anything like that. Mm-hmm. Yeah. I definitely think that's one big way. And we can. I feel like we could go even deeper into that one. And I also think another way, because I was just talking to a client uh, yesterday, and, you know, she really touched on a conversation that I have with a lot of, of people in particular. But, you know, there's a certain type of woman that my coaching and my matchmaking tends to attract. And the reason that it attracts it is because it's who I am, who I was. So it's that, you know, alpha woman who is super, super independent, who wants love, wants connection, but like kind of stands in her own way around, you know, what's good enough, perfectionism. Um, you know, just who's good enough, who's good enough, you know, and what, and what are all the rules and the right things that somebody's supposed to do in order to be good enough. Right. So I think another way that deserve shows up and even sometimes people do it when they're in relationships, because we had, we were on that panel and I don't know about you, but I felt like, um, you know, there was a woman who shared who a lot of what she was sharing was her decision that the other person wasn't deserving. Right. Yeah, so we were talking. That's right. Right. That's right. Yeah, yep. and it's hard to it's hard to say that straight to people to tell people you know what you're trying to do is decide somebody else doesn't deserve something because mm-hmm. we get so I think, um, you know, we feel like you said we feel so justified, but I don't feel good, so they don't deserve. <laughs> right. Instead yeah. of setting a standard for ourselves, we're setting them for other people. Yeah. And it's even standards for ourselves can be challenging when we're making them limited instead of, shall we say, unlimited. And what I mean by that is I could set a standard for myself that says I am going to I'm going to do 10 shows with candy no matter what, mm-hmm. period. And that's, that's an unlimited standard that yeah. I'm kind of. Or I could set a standard for myself. And so that unlimited standard is one that that leaves me having to deal with whatever comes up. She may irritate me, piss me off. She may not show up. She may be late. She may be early. You know, she may get on me for being late. Whatever it could be. But whatever whatever comes up, I'm going to hang in there. And the other is I could determine... I'm not going to put up with her stuff. I'm not going to let her raise her voice at me. I'm not going to, if she's late, I'm not, I'm hanging up three minutes after the call starts. 
and she's like, you know, it's different kinds of standards. Are you saying this because I was late today? <laughs> Is you that know, why you're using this example? <laughs> you know, truly, I don't really oh, see late. That yeah, I know. <laughs> that is so little to me. <laughs> I know. <laughs> I'm teasing you. <laughs> But go ahead. No, I, I can I, take the shot. I can take it. <laughs> but I didn't mean to interrupt your point. Go ahead. No, no, no. You, I think you got my point. Yeah. Um, you know, the, it's no real, there's no real, uh, we, we can create limiting standards or we can have unlimited standards. Mm-hmm. And it's just kind of what game do you, what game do you want to play? And do you want an excuse? to give up or and then start, we start looking for the justifications when we decide to give up. Hey, you know, I didn't want to deal with her being late. I didn't want to deal with her being getting on me for being late. Those kinds of things. Or do we want to play unlimited mm-hmm. where we deal with what comes and we're gonna resign ourselves to being better people. For being, for doing that. Yeah, yeah. No, I, I love that. And I love that question because I think that what it begs is, okay, so if I'm somebody who says, I want to get past, um, you know, my justifications, I want to get past making decisions about what other people deserve. Like I want to, um, you know, have a different experience based on getting past all of that stuff. I think it's worthwhile to deep dive into, you know, why do I have that paradigm in the first place? Right. Where I get to dole out who deserves this or that. And I hazard to say that based on the conversation that I was having with this client, what she had me really present to is that so many of us, you know, it's it's kind of like the difference between loving yourself unconditionally or loving yourself narcissistically. So with deserve and what other people deserve, I think a lot of times people think that they are being self-loving if they say, well, I'm not putting up with this, that, and the other. Or this person has to come with this, that, and the other. And, and that's yeah. how I'm loving myself because I deserve for this person to show up, you know, making enough money, treating me right, and all that stuff. I think that's how a lot of people interpret having a high deserve level. Mm-hmm. When in fact, what having, to me, what having a high deserve level is, is that I don't, I don't need to focus on anything that I consider to be unworkable about another person. I don't need to complain or force or, or try to convince another person to be the way I want them to be because I know that I'm deserving of love. There's nothing I need to be in order to be lovable. Do you know what I mean? And if I know that, I'm already giving myself enough love that you don't have to um, you know, meet my requirements in order, me to, in order for me to feel like you love me. Mm-hmm. You know, one of the things that I think about when you, with what you just said was, I listen for, when I'm coaching, I often listen for the, the word not. Mm. And people saying what they're not going to do. And they say it, in, they can say it directly using the word, or they can say it indirectly. But people so often are committed to what they're not going to do. Yeah. And it flows out of their mouths like, it's just like oxygen or yeah. carbon dioxide, whichever comes out of your mouth. <laughs> <laughs> I think it's carbon, carbon dioxide. Carbon dioxide. You <laughs> so, um, you know, but it, it flows so effortlessly and we, yeah. get, we don't realize we're doing it. Um, one, one related concept is, is instead of asking someone else to be better or to take care of us let's ask god for more skill to be able to deal with whatever other people bring Mm. it's it's a different it's a different set of responsibility yeah um it's a different set of skills that we're asking ourselves to acquire um if i if i am triggered by you um because you are, if I'm triggered by you because you raise your voice at me sometimes, do I ask you to, and I'm talking about first, is the first thing I ask for, for you to stop raising your voice at me? Or do I ask God or do I pray for 
or do I ask myself to increase my skill so that I am more patient mm. and more understanding of whatever you're going through, whatever you're dealing with? Yeah. How, I love that because it's like a turn to spirituality, right? So if I'm willing to like get into my own source, my own, you know, uh, what brings me peace and ask those questions of myself, there's access. But then how do you think things like enoughness factor into what you're saying? Like you, you, people hmm? thinking that they're not enough or? Yeah, because I think that that's at the crux of it. Because I think, you know, and I say that based on, you know, like I was talking about, where I was as a, a typical alpha, you know, super independent in my masculine energy female and doing everything I could to be as successful and amazing as I could possibly be, that was out of a story of not enough. Like, I didn't consider myself lovable unless I was achieving a whole lot of things. So it, it had me requiring other people to recognize what I'm bringing, you know, like people like say, what I bring to the table. And that bring to the table phrase comes from, you know, I got all this value. Look at how hard I've worked. I don't have to settle for nothing because I've done so much to prove I am enough. When deep down, what I'm really saying is that I wasn't enough to begin with. And all those things that I did didn't make me enough, even though I can believe it, uh, that those things did. But if I don't believe that I was originally enough to begin with, it's, you know, it has no, no value in that respect. So with what you're saying as far as the process is, is where do you feel like that enoughness comes in? Yeah. <laughs> we got alarms it, going. It's, <laughs> yeah, it's okay. Right. You know what? It, it, here it is. We're doing, we're doing a podcast in a pandemic. There's going to be background noise. <laughs> <laughs> Right? <laughs> We're at home. Yeah. I got and my dog back kids. here snoring exactly. and farting. You know? yeah. Yeah. <laughs> For the people listening, you will hear noises. You will hear noises. Yes. Um, what you're saying reminds me of a conversation that I think we've had along the way. Yeah. And I'm not sure... I'm not sure what we ever came to, if we agreed, disagreed, you know, it's all good, yeah. whatever it was, but where we were talking about how the, in, in America, we are perpetually driven by not feeling like we're enough. Mm. I mean, if you really think about it, that's what drives our, that's often, I don't want to overstated, but I can state it strongly. Um, that's what drives our desire to do more in work often. Mm -hmm. It often drives our desire to buy new things, have new things, um, make more money because we don't feel like we're good just as we are. Yeah. We don't feel comfortable with what our life is right now. Yeah. Um, so we have, we need more. We, we don't really realize what we're saying to ourselves often yeah. when we're picking up our phone to look and see what's going on on Facebook, um, what's going on, or what, can I, what do I need to buy, or what do, I, I don't know, it's all kind of, the phone piece is something that I wrote about, um, and it speaks to just a restlessness. Like looking, wanting to look out and see what's going on in the world. Who wants to talk to me? Who's saying something that's interesting? Am I missing something? Instead of just really enjoying your room, enjoying the cars passing by, enjoying just really basic things and not feeling the need to fill the space all the time. Yeah. No, I agree. But I feel like it's hard to feel like you don't need to fill the space when you don't feel like you're enough. Right. Well, <laughs> and is. and those are all symptoms of, you know, I'm just not in, I, like I can't just sit here silently in this room because and that's not to say that everybody has to sit around silently in a room. But I think that's a good litmus test for for, you know, when we are, you know, out of our our knowing of ourselves, when we are in that thing where it's like we need, 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 need to consume. And part of that consuming is having other people do what we want them to do. 
You know, when we're in that space, we're rarely also in the same, you know, mindset that we could go and just sit quietly and just be with nothing. Mm -hmm. Right. But I think, you know, while I still don't think there's anything wrong with wanting to have and achieve things, because I'm not speaking against, you know, we have college degrees. I'm not speaking against wanting to grow yourself, better yourself, have nice things, you know, uh, live some luxury or whatever. But there is a difference between what we decide we need in order to be lovable compared to what we just enjoy because we enjoy it. Right. The things, things that we enjoy, not because we're trying to keep up with the Joneses, which is about trying to be lovable, mm-hmm. but things that we enjoy just because it feels good in the moment that we're in, not, you know, trying to show other people how great we can be or how uh, much we've achieved. There's a there's a distinction. But there's a lot going on there. Let me ask you this. What? Somebody said to you, I will. OK, let me say this correct. First, a little bit of uh, a little bit of a history. I, in my college career, I really believe I learned very little. Okay. Um, I in class. Now, you know, I, I learned from interacting with people and that sort of thing. But in class, I did not learn a lot. Yeah. Now, I one of my masters is in physical therapy, so I learned plenty there and related to physical therapy. But from my bachelor's, I didn't learn a whole lot. I mean, it. it I didn't lie on yeah. Now, with that said, if someone said to you, I will teach you whatever you learned in college for free, mm-hmm. but you won't get a you won't get a get a degree. And you also won't be fifty thousand, a hundred thousand, two hundred thousand dollars in debt. Mm-hmm. I'll teach you that for free. Which would you do? Well, if I knew for sure that they could teach it to me, like if I had mm-hmm. proof that they knew it, I mm-hmm. would do it for free in a second, <laughs> especially with okay. what I've dealt with with student loans. But that's exactly the distinction that I'm talking about. The difference between wanting to know something because you want to know it or wanting to know something so you can flaunt that you know it to other people. Uh, that is exactly the distinction you're talking about. Yeah. And your answer is impressive to me because if someone would have said to me the same thing mm-hmm. i would have said well i just i gotta get the degree it's not about learning anything. it's about the degree yeah. and that is so much how our society and culture is built it's not about the learning it's really about the piece of paper it's about the certification yeah. that says that you are official that you have met a certain standard or you are a certain echelon or whatever. Mm -hmm. Um, But that, and that speaks to what we're talking about by way of um, understanding that so much of it is status Mm. and it's not substance. The status of having a bachelor's Versus the substance of what you learn. Yeah. Do do you see the correlation? I do. And I also, as you're talking, was thinking that if you would have asked me 25 years ago, I probably would have said the degree is more important at that age. But Mm -hmm. I agree with you in the sense that, that for a lot of us, specifically in our culture, there's a lot of status tied to getting degrees. There's a lot of status tied to being able to say, I went to whatever school whatever school you went to, right? And I think that that's that's true of the entire culture. But, you know, for people of color, because there was a time when we couldn't do that, it's like even more, there's even more sort of pressure laid on top of it, or there's more um, uh, admiration and and, uh, support for when you've accomplished something like that. Because just a couple generations ago, that wasn't the common thing. It's much more common now. But... Um, I think still what you're pointing to, though, is, you know, not that those things are unimportant or that there's anything wrong with wanting them. It's just when we can make the distinction between why we want them, then we can gauge whether it's from a place of is this about being good enough for whether it's my parents or my future lover, my future you know spouse 
or the people in my social circle. Like, I think it's, you know, you can still want things for yourself and you can still want to grow yourself and learn things and, and all of that. There's nothing wrong with it. But we have to be aware that there's a distinction in how we approach it. Because those things that you want for other people to love you, they don't work. <laughs> they don't work, right? If we don't already feel like we are lovable, we don't even know how to recognize love in the first place, right? But then if we think that we have to then work for it or have certain degrees or you know, do all the, accomplish a lot of things in order to be lovable, we kind of put ourselves in this, uh, I don't know, it's kind of like saying that you want to you know, go grocery shopping and then, uh, you know, locking yourself in, in a room somewhere. You know what I mean? It's like <laughs> you, we put ourselves in this in this box of of inability to have exactly what it is that we want. Yeah. If you think you need to do X, Y and Z to be worthy, the, the challenge is. The challenge is remembering one of the challenges remembering how you felt before you got it and then assessing how you feel after you got it. Yeah. Because most likely you're not going to feel any different. You're going to be just focused on what to do next. Yeah. And so it, it, it it's like a perpetual uh, uh, system or state of unworthiness. Yeah. Or needing to prove yourself. That's another way to put everything that you're saying. Yeah. It's a perpetual need to prove yourself yeah absolutely and that's that's american I, that's not just african-american i agree i agree with that yeah so and that I don't, go ahead <laughs> I, I don't agree with what you said around um our community because i think the, the degrees matter to other communities Ridiculous. Yeah, I mean, no, I didn't say that they don't. I just okay. said it, ours in particular has that added, added, you know, pressure that it's like we weren't able to get them a couple generations ago. So, uh, like, yeah. I don't, I don't, I think they matter just as much in in other cultures as well. I mean, like, okay. there's certain like South Asian culture. Forget it. If you're not a doctor or a lawyer, <laughs> your family will disown you. But I yeah. think for us, you know, for our culture in particular, when we get it, it's even more exalted. So I've, you know, dated somebody who was. I told you my 13 year relationship was with somebody who was Persian and, you know, he graduated medical school and his family didn't even show up because that was the expectation. That was almost like getting his driver's license to them. You know what I mean? Whereas for someone in our culture, if they'd graduate medical school, it's all over LinkedIn. <laughs> We're throwing parties. It's a big deal. Right. Because, it, you know, in the, previously that wasn't the common thing. You know, but yeah, no, I, I I agree that, you know, I think it's it it's a danger in all cultures that there is this thing you have to reach before you are are deemed worthy or before you can consider yourself to be enough. And I don't think that we ever get to consider ourselves to be enough as long as we're practicing that paradigm. Like I won't be enough until. That's right. Right. And we're pushing it. It's the part of part of the disease is that we end up we feel that way about ourselves. And we make our children feel that way about themselves. And we want the other people around us to feel that way about themselves. And a, a big part of the reason that we do that is, once again, to validate ourselves. Yeah. So, and by asking you what you do for a living and acting as though it's better or worse than what I do, I also get to put myself in proximity to you to figure out whether... I'm better or worse than you. Yeah. You know, it's like who's better? Competition. Who's got the, better, who's the more money? Who's got the better career? You know that kind of thing. You have those conversations even quietly, whether it's overt or covert. We have those conversations with each other all the time. It's the mm -hmm. same with our cars. At the time we were buying cars, because of the status of it, yeah. we want to we want to show that something or another. I don't, you know, I'm not in the car, so. I, I have kind of removed myself from that conversation a little bit. I mean, mm -hmm. I still, you know, I drive my 99 Camry, so I mm -hmm. am making a statement while trying not to make a statement. And maybe the statement I'm trying to make is that I'm not trying to make that statement, even though that's a statement. Mm 
Is that the statement? (laughs) You're trying to let everybody know what you ain't about. (laughs) Exactly. Exactly. But also hoping to release them from that circle by saying, you can walk around here with pride, get where you got to go, save $500 a month by driving a 99 Camry. And I will look at you and have the same amount of respect for you and appreciate you no differently um, than I would with you driving the 2015 or 2020, whatever it is you're driving. Yeah. And you know, the thing about that is there's beauty in that message in what you're saying. But I think that the thing about that is for someone who is, is driving whatever they're driving for status, they can't hear that love is a possibility without what they're what they've achieved so i don't know that they would know what to do with that offering or even be able to recognize that that's the case because if i'm if i'm of the mindset that i gotta have all of these things and compete and be better than and have the best of on the block there's something within me that's saying i'm i'm not even deserving of just loving you know, just because I am. And we come into the world knowing we deserve it because you know how babies come in crying. Like, I don't care what y'all need to do. I don't care if you need to sleep. <laughs> I don't care what y'all need. Right. I need stuff. <laughs> so I'm gonna let you know. So we, as humans, we come into the world knowing we're enough. And then the conditioning starts and our culture and our family and whatever other stuff that we're up against. And then, you know, I think that once that's taken away from us, without the uh, support to get conscious of it, there would be no way to recognize in someone else that, oh, that person would love me no matter what. Because if we don't know how to do that ourselves for ourselves, we definitely don't believe anybody else would do it. And that was the interesting thing about my conversation with this woman yesterday, and many conversations I've had with a lot of women, um, there's just no belief that anybody's gonna love me to the level that I wanna be loved. So I have to be enough for it, I have to fight for it, I have to achieve enough, I have to be pretty enough, skinny enough, whatever it is, in order to try to force it to happen. And because I think that, I don't understand that that all that stuff is exactly what's keeping me from it. Because it's just a symptom of me not believing it's possible. I, and, and it's also contagious. Yeah. You deal with people that way, they end up dealing with you that way. And we just co-sit. Yeah. And get in relationships that way. <laughs> yes. Right? Yeah. And I almost... And go ahead. You, you, that goes to my thing. that mm. you say, I want to be loved and accepted in my relationship no matter what I do. Yeah. And you do too. And so... And the, and the other part that you don't introduce that I don't even know if I've ever mentioned to you is... My willingness to say to my wife, I love you and I'm with you no matter what you do. Yeah. So, you know, whatever, do whatever, and I will be here and I'm still with you. It is, it's the start of what I need to do, a way of being very healthy and very loving in a relationship. Instead of withholding, you, you got it all. Yeah. If I got it, you got it, and just go do what you think is best, conduct yourself as you think is best. I'll be here, and I'll have you back. I have a question I- for you. <laughs> because in the time that I've known you, I, I really do believe that you are somebody who is very committed to being very loving and showing up in that way. My question is this. What are the ways that you express that you want to be loved no matter what you do? Because the interesting thing about no matter what you do, to me it suggests that there are some times, some ways of being, some things I'm gonna do that wouldn't necessarily be considered love- lovable. So, so for you, like for your, your wanting to be loved no matter what you do, how do you express that? Like what, what's no matter what you do? <laughs> In other words, what are, what are the things that I might do or probably will do that may piss my wife off where she would be challenged. Challenged to love you. <laughs> challenged to love you. Yeah. Um, what are some of those things? We have a, we have, um, 
an agreement. We did a written agreement before we got married. Uh-huh. That says monogamy is not a requirement in our marriage. Okay. Um, and so that could very well be one thing. Now, I also, I mean, I just live in a place that's, that's where I am. Yeah. Yeah. Um, because I just really think that it's the, it's just a, it's, it's an ideal way to be. It's a healthy way to be. Yeah. It is a way to be that supports my partner, my wife, and being whole. It helps to affirm her. It helps to affirm us. You know, it's just all kinds of reasons why I choose to do that. Absolutely. But that is something in our written agreement. Um, so that could be one thing. But the other thing is, I mean, hell, I could, I could not make any money. Mm-hmm. I could be broke. Mm-hmm. I could. Um, what are some things that you actually do these days where it's uh, like? <laughs> well, well, okay, okay. There if are, I were going to ask her, if I got her on the mic, <laughs> what would she say? There are. Well, I mean, there have been times when I wasn't making any money. Yeah. And that was a challenge to our relationship. Yeah. Um, that was a, you know, so I, it ended up being a conversation like, babe, I'll sleep with you in a tent. Yeah. Like, I'll live with you in a tent. And that was, that was me talking to her mm-hmm. because there have been times when I've made, been making, doing very well on the money side. Yeah. Um, so it was not, and, but, but she grew up in a very tough state where she just don't want to, to she doesn't want to be broke. Mm-hmm. Um, she doesn't. She that's really a big deal for her. Yeah. So that was a challenge. So you know that's one of those that has actually happened. Um, so that could be one of those things that actually has existed. Um, where I'm saying I want to be loved and accepted no matter what I do. Yeah. If I'm not making any money, I still want to be loved and accepted. Yeah. Um, it could be I want to be loved and accepted if I. Uh, raise my voice at you and if I yell at you I still want you to love and accept me mm-hmm. um, I don't want you and, and another way of putting this I, I don't want you so triggered by what you're saying to me that, or by what I've done that you're talking about leaving the relationship mm. and while that's always a possibility Talking about it constantly, processing, yeah. it, living in that place is, is bad for a relationship. Yeah, I uh, I interviewed this brother. His uh, he's a, he's one of the great speakers in the world, Willie Jolly, um, many years ago, mm-hmm. and he said he and his wife have an agreement that he won't raise his voice at her, and she will not threaten to leave him. Mm. Interesting. Yeah. What I just said reminded me of that. Yeah. So they, you, you said they put that in their relationship agreement. Like they, are, they have that agreement. I don't know if it's written, but they have that agreement. Yeah. I've always thought that was interesting. You know, I think it's an interesting thing too because. Uh, you know, I always bring up my abusive relationship. One of the things I used to do a lot was threaten to end the relationship, and you know, between both of us, there was a lot of a lot of raising of voices. The only thing about, uh, see, I, I, it's interesting to me. Uh-oh. Because, <laughs> you got your wheel spinning. I got my got wheel spinning wheel a little spinning. bit. Yeah. What's that? Uh-huh. I said both of our wheels are sitting and spinning. Yeah, because I, I always think in terms of, like, I like what you said about, you know, you and your wife having a, a written agreement and saying that, you know, there is a rule is that there's no rule about that you have to be monogamous. And the reason I like that is because that rule, I think, tends to put people under this sort of like, um, you know, if I'm not following this and this sort of imprisonment, you have this expectation of me. And if I can't do it, and I think as soon as we're told we can't do something, it's like it's always in the back of our mind or it's right in the forefront. I got to do it, you know, and depending on your personality and, you know, who you are. But I think the reason that it works probably for y'all is because, like you just said, you just feel better being monogamous and it's your choice that you're making. <laughs> mm-hmm. Right? And it's when not we a 
Yeah. When we as people make a choice to do something, we tend to stick to it, especially if we feel like it feels good, right? The other side, though, of, you know, like your friend saying, you know, the rule is we don't, I don't raise my voice and you don't threaten to leave. While I think that that's, that can be valid, especially if you have, have recognized that there's a pattern of that in your relationship, I also am a little leery when it comes to having uh, behavior laws in a relationship. I'm a little leery of that. Not because people shouldn't be behaving well, but that it, if it's a, a rule that we've set up, I think that we kind of set ourselves up for failure a little bit. I agree. Um, yeah. Because it can always be, it can always be said, you raised your voice at me. Okay, well, if, and if you do raise your voice, then what? Yeah. Does that well, mean you I mean, now get you, to threaten me? <laughs> yeah. Or you get to leave the relationship? Yeah. But if I raise, if I agree that I won't raise my voice to you, and you say you won't leave the relationship, if I raise my voice to you, or you believe I raise my voice to you, or perceive that I raise my voice to you, does that mean you get to say I'm leaving the relationship? Exactly. That's, and that's unhealthy too, in my uh, in my belief. Yeah. Now, you know, I'm not making any judgments about anybody's marriage. You know. That, sure, sure. I'm, I'm talking about, I'm not talking about really godly when I say that. I'm talking about just people. Yeah. Um, because people, the inner workings of your, their relationship is something that I, <clears throat> I am completely clueless about and don't want to make yeah, any yeah. statements about. Yeah. Yeah. But I mean, in terms of like, you know, if there's people out there who are listening and they're, you know, trying to figure out how to sort of navigate uh, being okay with their partner's actions, ways of being, and things like that. I think, you know, there there's always, you know, something at the base, the foundation of all of our relationships. I always believe that, and I know this is going to be a pretty absolute statement, is that it comes down to what's going on with our, our individual relationships with ourselves. And I think yeah. that when we try to surface, patch it over with, with Band-Aids and, and rules and things like that, that's just surface stuff that eventually, like you said... You know, so what if you do break that rule? And sometimes, mm -hmm. especially if you're feeling restrained by the rule, there is a certain kind of dopamine hit that happens from breaking that rule, yes. right? And then yes. you then have the excuse to break your the rule that's on you, like you were saying. Yes. And so then now we're in a cycle of like tr horse trading. Like, well, you did this, I do that. And I know couples, a lot of couples like that, where it's like, right? Yeah. So I feel like, you know, what what it all comes back around to is like, you know, we can have our certain things that we agree on. As, you know, like I said, I'm, I'm a big believer in a, in a co-creation, in a covenant, in a relationship. Like our things that we agree on as far as what we're creating, what we're up to, and, you know, and also what limits we don't want to pl place. You know, like you were saying, the monogamy thing, like the, we're not placing that limit on the relationship. But I think once we start setting down like a list of, you know, you must do this and you must do that and you must not ever do this or you must not ever do that, then it's like, okay, what is all of that a cover for? Because I'm insecure. Exactly. I'm worried you're going to do it. <laughs> I'm worried I won't know how to deal with you doing it. It is a cover for justification, but not love. That's yeah. what it is. Yeah. Oh, full circle. <laughs> yep. and do you realize how much it takes from I'll say me mm. but, but do you realize how much it would take from anybody to be able to say I am with you well first to find that person who you're willing to say that to yeah. but to be able to say I am with you no matter what you do Yeah. period you don't have to worry about me yeah. relax that's it Yeah. you don't have to relax be who you are. I'm with you. I love you. You're flawed. I'm flawed. Let's deal with each other's flaws. Yeah. Let's deal with each other pissing. Let's deal with each other pissing each other off in a loving manner. And let's enjoy our life together. See, I if think that's what we want to do. That's what we want to do. But I think the only way people can do that is if they're willing to do the healing. I have to know I'm enough to be able to have that conversation with somebody and trust it. 
right? Like I have to be able to be with it, sit with it and be like, okay, so that means I don't have to be checking your phone and following you and going through your social media and, you know, looking for reasons for why you might be doing something nefarious because we've had this discussion. But if I'm someone who does that because I have mistrust and I feel like, you know, I'm not enough, that's the part that that I think needs to be looked at. Because I think, you know, I love that you give that, you know, that's how you express it to your partner. But I think so many people out there, they don't know how to do that. And they don't know how to receive that because they're, they're living in fear. Like there's that insecurity. I'm not enough. I don't even believe you that you're capable of that because I'm not capable of that. I don't even know who I am. I don't believe I'm enough. You know what I mean? Yeah, I do. Yeah. It's interesting. Well, I guess they can start with uh, contacting you or me. <laughs> <laughs> That's true. <laughs> After all, it. it's all a commercial for love coaching. Right. Right. <laughs> right? No, it's true. Um, but yeah, I mean, I, I feel like th- this thing with deserve, it very much speaks to, like, culturally, our, our different understandings of what narcissism is compared to what unconditional love actually is. And I think we do get caught up in trying to prove to other people that we are good enough that we deserve rather than just knowing it. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, I agree. Yeah. And it's an everyday struggle. It's an everyday challenge, particularly in our society that in in many ways preys on your poor feelings about yourself. Yeah. When you see, if you look, God, I constantly do this about cars, but it's not just cars, it's houses, and you know, it's all kind of clothes. But when you see someone on TV driving in a car, a model uh, or a celebrity driving in a car, selling a car, they are selling you an image. Yeah. And the only way they're able to sell you that image is if you don't feel good about yourself. Yeah, or feel if like you, you need want, it in order to. Yeah. Yes, because you want, they are playing on your desire to look like that person. Yeah. Yeah. Although I want to I want to just have a caveat that everyone who has something it, it doesn't mean that that's true of everyone who has something. Do you know what I mean? Who has something luxurious or, you know, mm-hmm. spends a lot on. I don't you know, I don't think that it's it's a foregone conclusion or a rule that anybody who likes anything nice doesn't believe they are enough. I think it's just good to know for ourselves, like the distinction between, you know, do I have this because I want it and I, and I want to enjoy it, or do I have this because I want to show off for somebody else? There's a difference. There's a difference, and I still, I play with that. I play with that a lot yeah. in my mind my because it's also, all right, I have the nice things today, if something nicer comes out tomorrow, well, I want that. Mm-hmm. And if the answer is yes, then we're back to my original state, mm-hmm. where we are in a place of not enough. But that's not and true of everything, though. That's not I'm true listening. of everything. Because if you think about, like, you know, I think about things that that I consider, you know, I always, I always say you can tell a lot about a person by what they'll spend discretionary income on, right? So if I'm somebody who, like, always has to have the latest sneaker. And I always got to show off that I got the latest sneaker. That's one thing. So like I got a pair and then two days later, you know, Nike came out with another pair of whoever makes the nicest sneakers. And I got to rush out and get a, get a pair of Nikes, you know, so I can show off or whatever. If that's my mindset. But if I'm somebody who's like, you know, I love shoes that look good and feel good because I love them. Or I love the luxury of something because I I enjoy it. Like it's for me. It's not for anybody else. Like I only I can know that distinction. Someone else can't judge for me whether I have what I have because it's about other people. I have to be able to say, you know, I like Apple computers because that's what I know how to use. It's sleek. I and I I joke about being part of the cult of Apple. All my devices speak to each other. I don't care if anybody knows I had now I've announced it to everybody. <laughs> but I don't care if anybody knows I have an Apple computer. 
you know, even that's the that's the more expensive computer. And I do, you know, I don't stay with every upgrade because there's only certain things I need to do. But you know, when there when there is a, a advanced model or whatever, I will get it because it has more memory, it has more capabilities, and there's things that I want to do on it. I don't care if anybody knows I have it. Like that's not about trying to show off for anybody else. So I think. The, we, I think the assumption can't be made that because anybody has nice things, that's what they're about. I think that it's for people who, you know, are trying to make those decisions for themselves. You know, are you doing something or even like we were talking about going to college? Are you going to college because you want to learn? You love this thing. You want to learn how to do it. You want to increase your skill level. Or are you going to college because your parents expect you to have this degree and you want to make a certain amount of money so that you can live a certain status? I think that's that's where the answer lies is how am I making that distinction for myself, not on other people? Well, it's. It is definitely a conversation that you're having with yourself all the time. I am saying that, that it is always a conversation that we're having with ourselves. However, if you are an Apple person Mm -hmm. and they come out with the newest model, now, increased memory, that's like, that's one of those things I, I would have to think about because increased memory the main thing of increased memory, once, once it, it's hard to it's hard to really nail this. So I'm thinking about it as I talk. Increased memory is one of those things that a it could just be an indication, or you needing more memory could be an indication that you're too tethered to technology. Like clean up, get rid of old stuff, get rid of get rid of stuff you don't need anymore. Increased memory, for me, often is, it allows me to just keep more stuff. And it doesn't really make me more productive. Um, But that's one thing, that increased memory. Now, new features, what I try to ask myself is, before a new feature comes out, was this something I personally determine that I need. Like, if my phone gets a new app, if, if a new app comes out that allows my phone to walk, did I ever want my phone to walk? Mm-hmm. Or is that just something that I am open to because it's new, mm-hmm. because it came out? And that's how I kind of rein myself in. Yeah. So it's still a conversation that we're having with ourselves and it's still a conversation that we're having with ourselves often about whether we're enough. Like, what is enough? When do you have enough? When are you good? And if you can never be good or you are never enough, that is definitely a conversation of lack. Mm-hmm. Yeah, no, I don't disagree with that. I mean, I do think that, you know, when we talk about the, the details, the logistics of like things like computers, there are things that people do, like people who deal with audio and visuals a lot, they do need a lot of memory on their devices. <laughs> So there are things yeah. that people, you know, they do as a function. But I do like what you're saying as far as like, you know, if we're willing to really ask ourselves, you know, am I just wanting more of this because I want to hold on to a whole bunch of stuff that I don't even need or a whole bunch of stuff that I don't even use? And I think that's also where the distinction comes in. It's like, can I have that conversation with myself? Am I doing this because I and it's funny that you mentioned that about, you know, because I call it technical hoarding. But there's also, you know, regular hoarding, you know, hoarding is, as an addiction. So I, I yes. think people can hoard in a lot of ways, emotional hoarding, technical hoarding, you know, yep. uh, uh, belongings, hoard their belongings, things like that. And that definitely, I believe, comes from a story of not enough. But I think what I would want people to walk away with is just like you were illustrating, is that ability to ask myself. Not that I can't ever have anything new, because I don't. I don't think it's it's necessarily healthy to have a mentality of, I don't want anything. You don't need a whole lot, but it's okay to want things. It's just you got to know why you want them and what are you connecting them to. I agree. Right. I agree. Like as opposed to, am I just trying to impress other people? Or in, or as opposed to, I feel like I just need to keep up with the newest stuff. Yeah. 
Um, that's still a conversation of lack. Yeah. Because you can say, you could say to yourself, I have basic needs and my needs are satisfied and I don't, the rest of this can kiss my ass. Unless you are creating things that, that you envision, you know, like I think in terms of, because like I do Photoshop and was doing graphics and web design for a while. And so I would envision... Uh, you didn't tell me that. Yes. Uh, no. <laughs> Just as a side job. And stuff okay. I would envision, like I would really want to make it happen and create it. So, you know, I had an old machine that, that wasn't capable of the, the apps that I needed, wasn't able to hold all the, you know, information that I needed and, and Photoshop wouldn't work correctly and all of that stuff. Like I yeah. think there are reasons to, to want things to be better. There, yes. So the, the concept that you're introducing is one where we're saying, okay, in order for me to do the newest thing, I need the newest tools. That's a, that's still, you're still getting caught up in that loop because, and sometimes we want to do the newest things. So we need the newest tools in order to sell something to somebody who doesn't feel good about themselves or who needs to be, who needs their time filled, yeah. or whose attention we want, instead of not doing any of that and telling other people, you don't need this shit either. <laughs> yeah. So. I don't know. I mean, I think the only thing about that, Frank, is that it, it denies, you know, it, it makes it too absolute because it denies that there are things in the world that, you know, their, their creation has not only... Um, uh, enhance the purpose of us being in this world. Like we're here to play, I think. You know, we're souls here to play and to enjoy all that this world can offer and to create. I think that's the reason why creative creativity passes through us. So as someone who's always been an artist on some level, you know, first a visual artist, and then, you know, now I consider myself, um, you know, an emotional artist, <laughs> which is a whole nother explanation. But I think, you know, tools... And um, and technology and all of the provisions for how we can uh, create and whether it's to create it to sell it or to create it to um, deliver a message to people. I don't think that there's anything wrong with any of that. And I don't think that it indicates a not enoughness, because I think that when you're in your full your full self-expression, you're going to you're going to do things as big as you can do them as far as what it is you want to express and that's different for everybody and that doesn't necessarily mean that you're trying to do that because you want somebody to love you but we are as human beings placed here to be creators i mean even you as a coach and the things that you put out the blogs that you write that is source passing through you that's that's creation and you could just sit with a pen and paper in hand and write the blogs by hand and then you know go pass them out on the street and and you definitely would share them on a certain level but when you actually publish them on a computer which you wouldn't have been able to do what 25 30 years ago maybe you know, however long it's been possible to do blogging, you know, like like the fact that somebody had the creativity and the wherewithal to come up with a, a possibility for how you could express yourself and have a lot of people be touched by it. I think that's a very important component of our existence. So I don't think that that it's it's that necessarily comes from lack. I think utilizing what we have comes from abundance. I think thinking that you can't you can't be loved without it is a whole separate thing from being like, I'm going to express myself and I'm going to use whatever is at my disposal in order to do that. Hmm. <laughs> I, I, um, so if a hundred years ago you got famous mm -hmm. by standing in front of a hundred people and speaking, speaking mm -hmm. in front of a hundred people, and today you get famous by using a, a more technology-savvy tool to get in front of 100,000 people. And it is, it is available to everyone. I don't know things have really changed. Things have, it's just tool, it's just the tool has changed it's all relative now. You know, so you you were able to reach just a hundred people at a time back then, 
Now you're able to reach 100,000. But then you have 100,000 people doing that, trying to reach 100,000 people. <laughs> Not much has really changed. And I have, I have this, I haven't talked to him about this in many years, but I remember it. I had this ongoing conversation with a buddy of mine, Haki. Um, and his question to me was, or maybe my question to him, I don't know. But do, does technology make life better? And my answer was unequivocally, no. Mm -hmm. Technology makes tasks better mm -hmm. or it makes tasks easier, mm -hmm. but it doesn't make life better. Yeah. If, if I were to ask you, rate your life on a scale of one to 10 without a computer uh, 50 years ago, what would you have said? Yeah. Well, I'm ask you, you know, rate your life one to 10 now with a computer 50 years later, most likely you're probably going to be in the same place. Mm -hmm. And if I ask you to something similar, like rate your life without the newest app, and now rate your life with the newest app, you're not really happy. <laughs> you're just able to do something new or yeah. something different. Yeah, it's a tool. It's a tool. Yeah. That's all it is. Well, so I, we, yeah, go ahead. What are you going to say? No, well, we're bombarded with tools now. And we don't need it. Hmm. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> I don't think we need it to be fulfilled as human beings. I agree. I think you can be happy without it. But I do think that, that our ability to create and have ease and tools that, that make our creation, I think that that's just part of human existence. That's why we have progress. Because that's what we wanted. That's what we're here for. I mean, we wouldn't have ideas. Things wouldn't move through us. If, if we weren't here to create on some level. And, and our existence, our being here, is to, whether it's even just to be someone who just explores the world and looks for you know, fulfillment, or someone who just walks around, like whatever it is that is your thing, that, you, that is your, your, the thing that makes you feel like you are, are doing what aligns with you know, what feels good to you and has you exploring the world, and listening to your own, um, you know, the, the, the call for you to express who you are, I think that no matter what tools you use to do that, as long as that's what you're about and, and that you're not about trying to make it for somebody else or trying to live up to someone else's standards or be lovable, you're just here to, to fulfill your purpose on this earth, I don't think there's anything wrong with using whatever tools that are at your disposal. And the tools are at your disposal because somebody else said, I'm going to express myself. <laughs> Even with a hammer, like a hammer is the simplest tool. Somebody at yeah. some point said, I need to have these two things stick together so that I can build a shelter over my head, you know, when it snows. And so the way I'm going to do that is I'm going to find something that will pound them together stronger than I can do it with my hand. Do you know what I'm saying? It's not, it, it's not I, I can't be happy if I don't or I, I can't be enough if I don't, but because I've had this great idea that I don't have to sit here and be cold, mm -hmm. I can now innovate. And the fact that we can innovate is a natural part of our humanity. We have to be able to innovate because otherwise we die. If we don't have art and creativity, that you know, it's like, what is our purpose on this world? If we don't have expression, what are we here for? We just sit, sit like stones. I will believe that it's, I will believe that people are creating because it speaks to who they are when they're willing to do it in part when they're willing to do it and not get paid when mm. they're willing to do it just because they're interested in doing it. that's when i believe that people are doing it because of that's their purpose yeah well i i mean my my perspective on it is that people who often get paid for doing what they love are getting paid because they're doing it because they love it. And I don't think that there's any, there's any sin in getting paid. I think that if people are looking to get paid for something or they're doing something to get paid for it, that's, that's different. But if I'm doing something I love and the money comes in, I don't think there's anything wrong with allowing abundance in my life so that I can keep doing what I love and keep having the freedom to do that so that I don't have to go into a mindset of I have to do this to figure out how to live, to survive. You know, I don't know. I think it's very important to like have it be a self, a self monitored thing and not a, you know, how I look at others and I, make a decision. I think I agree with that. It yeah. is self monitored and not how I look at others. Yeah. Um, 
And that, that goes again with, I do this art because I want to do the art. Yeah. And, and period. That's why I do it. Yeah. That's why I believe that you do it because you want to do it or because it speaks to your purpose. When you are doing it, and I trust, and I trust that a lot of artists that I enjoy myself, especially musicians, I trust that they're doing it because they want to do it. That even if they weren't making millions, they would still do it. And I trust mm-hmm. that a lot of visual artists, you know, who are very, very uh, financially successful, I trust that they would do it even if they weren't making money. I don't know. We got. We went. Oh yeah. We went into a whole philosophical thing. We're way over the hour. <laughs> this went from love and romance to a whole philosophical conversation, which I think we will touch on again because we started out our first big conversation. Our first big deba- debate yes, was around something right. very similar. So we're going to continue right. this this conversation on. I'm sure we will. Yes. <laughs> All right, Frank Love. So, is there anything that you want to plug for the people? You want to have them come see you at, at Mr. at Mr. Frank Love on Instagram or. Go to your um, website, new blogs. Website, franklove.com. Check out my blog under the media. Yeah. Media. Um, and um, yeah. let me know what you think. I love Just it. Just get back into my blogging. I'm enjoying it. I'm doing it. Yes. Because I want to do it. <laughs> right? You are doing it. You are yeah. doing it, no doubt. Also, you guys know that Fat Shrinking Emotional Fitness, the digital course, is coming soon. We're shooting for the, the middle of March. So for anybody out there who is looking for the actual emotional way to overcome the struggle, the up and down weight struggle, the fitness struggle, this is the perfect course for you. And you can email me, Candice, at CandiceHarperLoveCoach.com. You can also visit the EpicHealingCircle.com to find out more about it. Instagram at Ask for Candy Podcast at Candy Love Coach. Thank you so much for being here with us today and listening to us. Thank you, Frank Love, as always, for being fantastic and fun to talk Thank to. You. I love that I love that we have at least one point of contention, so we're gonna keep revisiting it. <laughs> we'll, come back. we'll come back to it regularly. <laughs> yes. You can email us at Podcast at gmail.com. Otherwise, that's it for us. And until next time, never forget that you are a love machine. If you ever start to feel like you aren't getting the love you need, just make more and then ask for candy. Mwah, mwah, mwah. Bye now. Ah! <laughs>